Well, again, good morning to you. My name is Brad Wright. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And uh, this morning, the text that we're going to be looking at together is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 57 to 66. It's a parallel text to what we read earlier from the Gospel of Mark. And so hear the word of the Lord. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. And the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again, so give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. And so they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, again, I'm just really glad that each of you are here. Um, we have some new people here here this morning. It's fun to come with family. Uh, there's probably as many reasons why you're here as there are people uh, that are here. You know, it may be that your parents made you come. I'm sorry, kids. It matters. You should you just trust them. It may be because your spouse made you come or a friend made you come. Uh, it might be that this is just one of those days during the year where you come to church, uh, either because it's the only time you can muster up enough strength to do it, or for whatever reason, the church is hard for you. Um, or, you know, it could be guilt. You're like, ah, I got to go on Easter. Um, and, and really, the reason that we are here is because Jesus is our Lord. That, that's why we're here. And so a question I want you to think about this morning, and don't worry, especially those, who don't, those of you who don't know me very well, um, this is going to be like a 20-minute sermon. So you're like, brunch is you, no problem. You're going to be... You're, <laughs> You're going to be set, okay? But the question that I want you to ask is this, and you can't have a non-answer to this, but is what do you think about Jesus? Like, what do you think about Jesus? And it's hard for us when we hear that question to not say, well, I'll tell you what I think about Jesus. Look at all this stuff that goes on in his church. Um, you know, when Jesus is taken into captivity, just before so, Peter cuts off the ear of one of the people who are coming to take Jesus away. And Jesus immediately picks up the ear and heals the man and restores him. And in that moment, what you see is that Jesus is saying, wait a minute, I have come to deliver a message that God loves you. And I don't need your swords to do, to do that for me. I don't need you to use your own ways to do that. I'm coming to tell a message and I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to rise from the dead so that you can know this message. God loves you. So Jesus heals this soldier despite the failure of his disciple. And I think as the church, um, you know, if you've been around the church any amount of time, you discover there's sinners in the church. Like, we're all sinners in the church, and so we make mistakes. Um, and there's grace. And Jesus comes and says, wait a minute. My kingdom is about you knowing this. God loves you. So this morning, what I want to ask you to consider is not like, what's your opinion of the church? 
It's not what's your opinion of different religions. Like, we can talk about that sometime. Like, I, I kind of am here a lot. I'm a pastor here. You can come talk to me whenever you want. Today, I just want you to think about this. What is your opinion about Jesus? I don't think apathy is an option. Soren Kierkegaard said this, Christ has not only spoken to us by his life, but he's also spoken by his death. Frederick Nietzsche, maybe you've heard of him, he said, the word Christianity is already a misunderstanding. In reality, there's only been one Christian, and he died on the cross. Blaise Pascal said this, Jesus is the God whom we can approach without pride and before whom we can humble ourselves without despair. And then Martin Luther's, and I love it because it's springtime, right? Martin Luther, one of the reformers, said this, Our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. Because see, the resurrection is about renewal. It is about restoration. It is about the world being made as it's meant to be. It's about Jesus defeating something that all of us face and that all of us deal with and all of us very much understand. Now, there are people in this room who have lost loved ones this year who are struggling with the reality of death. Jesus comes and says, I have defeated death. That's the starting point. What's your opinion about Jesus? Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. We lay palm branches down here, the children did, because in the scriptures, Jesus enters Jerusalem as a king, and palm branches are laid down, and it's Palm Sunday, and everybody has an opinion about Jesus. They're for Jesus. And then on Thursday, as he delivers the Last Supper, one of his disciples just betrays him. He's taken in as a criminal, and now everybody's like, we're not for Jesus. Nobody is at that point. And they're scared, and they're afraid. And then on Friday, Jesus is crucified as a criminal, capital punishment. On Saturday, he's in the tomb. His body lay there, lifeless. And then on Sunday, what happens on Sunday is the world is turned right side up. The world is made as it's meant to be. Death is now conquered. It's why, we celebrate. It's why Easter is such a big deal for us Christians. Because Easter's everything. It tells us this message in a very real way for us to understand. God loves you. God loves us. What do we do with that? Um, you know, th there's two things I want you to consider this morning. We're going to look at in this story the different characters, the, the different kinds of people who are included in the story, and then what do we do with that message that Jesus has given to us, the reality that he offers us resurrection, he offers us new life, he offers us actual change, and the opportunity to heal. So who's included in the story? Now, if you were here yesterday at Grace in the morning, about 10 a.m., there were tons of Easter eggs out. Kyle, Kate, lots of people packed Easter eggs. They were everywhere. And all these children came and um, got to pull the Easter eggs up, and, and they got to pet the donkeys. And this one donkey made really weird sounds. It was kind of fun to listen to him. But we had, you know, Rudy's. We had all sorts. It was a really fun morning. I had people message me and call me um, who aren't real familiar with grace and they just say hey is this free like can we can are we allowed to come i was like yes like everybody's included and then i had this little vision while i was there on sunday or saturday morning i thought can you imagine how weird it would be if like i got a basket and i got like 98 percent of the eggs like i got like 98 percent of them. like technically i'm included but i might be excluded next year and you might be sitting here this morning thinking great god loves you that's not me. He's talking about somebody else. God's talking about somebody else. Jesus is talking about somebody else. L listen, the scriptures tell us that Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. Whatever understanding you have about who Jesus is, I just, 
can you put it aside for a second and just assess Jesus for who He says He is and consider who He includes. In verse 57, we read about Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph is part of the religious elite. He has now become a follower of Jesus. He's gone from being someone who's just around Jesus to someone who's following Him. And he buys this tomb, and Jesus' body is placed there. In verse 58, we read about Pilate. Pilate is the most powerful governmental figure in the room. His word has power as far as what takes place, you know, in, in, in their little, little area of the world that he's ruling at that point. The powerful are included. We read about the soldiers, the soldiers who are sent on Pilate's order because the Pharisees and the priests are afraid uh, that Jesus might get away with this great deception. And they're just following orders. They have no idea. It's just another day for them. And then, of course, the priests and the Pharisees, they oppose Jesus violently. They want him killed. They're responsible for how this has gone down. But did you read what happens in that story? The Pharisees and the priests say, hey, he's dead, and that's great. But the Pharisees and the priests knew what Jesus had promised to do. He had promised that three days later he would rise again. That's why we celebrate Easter. And they said, hey, look, we're, like, we're almost to the finish line here on quieting this message and discrediting who Jesus is. So we need to send a guard, please, Pilate, to the tomb. Put a stone. Joseph put a stone there, but we're going to do more. We're going to seal the stone. Then we're going to put guards there so that no one will be able to take his body and everyone will know that Jesus was a fraud. So all these people are included in this story. This great deception is kind of on the precipice of either destroying what Jesus has said or he's going to defeat it. And then there's Mary Magdalene and Mary Jesus' mother. And Mary Magdalene is the despised. I mean, she's been, she's judged by most people because of her profession before she came into following Jesus. No one looks up to her. She's included in the story. Mary, Jesus' mother. You know, kids, like I have a mom, right? I remember when I was younger and mom wanted to be a part of everything in my life and I'd try to exclude her at different times, you know, and she's patient and loves me through it. And now we're, you know, I'm an adult, so I'm a lot nicer than I was. Mary's included in the story. Mom's part of the story. Do you hear that? The different kinds of others who are in this story, the religious elite are part of the story, the powerful are part of the story, the self-righteous are part of the story. The weak are part of the story. Jesus' mom is part of the story. Are you beginning to pick up on what this is about? It is about a message for the world. Even those who oppose Jesus are being invited to ask the question, what do I think about Jesus? What do I think about his story? Now, what's your story? You know, uh, the other day my wife was looking through, I have a YouTube channel where I, I love doing like videos and I always have. So I have videos of like my son who turned 21, you know, last week. I have like baby videos of him. You know, they, yes, they had videos 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And there's like video, and you can go back and watch. And you see little William, and you see little Walker, little Avery, and then you can see him grow up, and we go rock climbing, and, and then you can see him rock climb when they're older, or we go dirt biking, or we go to, you know, different events that we have going on. You can see what their story, this is their story. That's their history, at least. But what story really defines us? Jesus is giving us this message that's meant to tell us this is a story that defines you. You ever seen the movie, uh, the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Y'all ever seen this movie? Come on. It's hilarious, right? Walter Mitty 
is a guy who works for a magazine and he just like daydreams randomly. And it's really an escape from his present struggles and difficulties. He, you know, he's a lot of hard things going on. At one, point, at one point, he dreams about saving a dog from a building that's on fire. That's heroic. I like that. He dreams about being a Chilean mountain climber who impresses this woman. You remember that? With his poetry falcon. You know, he's got hair and this beard, you know, and he kind of phases out of stressful situations and back in. And then there's this one scene where, Walker, where Walter is being insulted by his boss. And his boss, this new guy who's there, this new management, his goal is to simply dismantle this magazine so they can no longer exist. And Walter's holding this cake, and he comes around the corner, and that guy's there, of course, with an AirPod in one ear and his phone in the other. And he kind of looks up and goes, hey, cake man, what do you do here? And Walter goes, uh, 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 and he kind of tries to say something. And then the guy responds and says, oh, I'm sorry, I was listening to a song and I stopped caring. What do you do here? And in that exact moment, Walter sort of, you know, phases out and he delivers kind of a line. And he says, you know who wears beards? Dumbledore, not you. And everyone's around, starts laughing. They're like, oh man, you got him, that's awesome. And then he kind of wakes back up and he realizes he's been insulted. You know, what's kind of going on there for him is he's trying to find someone to agree with this statement. You ready? Your life matters. Your struggles matter. The good things you want in this life that, that you think are going to fulfill you, that you're pursuing, you know, your career or taking care of your family, like, those things are important and you are valid. Like your life is important. Walter is begging for someone in the world to agree. With Jesus' resurrection, he is saying to us this morning, I agree. You are worth dying for. You are made in the image of God. You are worthy of dignity and love and respect, even if you're like Mary Magdalene and everybody's judged you. Even if it seems like you have it all figured out and you're really wealthy. Even if, fill in the blank, whatever your story is, there is a story here in what Jesus does that is meant to connect with you this morning and tell you this, I love you, you matter, and there is a future for you. The resurrection is real Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. It's why that story is so central to us. Jesus defeated even death so that you would know you are loved. There was a politician, I'm not going to tell you who because I don't want to increase your frustration with whoever I might be quoting, but he said this, I'm telling you, if there's a God, when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Let me read something to you. This is Matthew 28. This is exactly what happens next. See if you would just kind of walk by. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. And for an, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and the clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. That, that sounds scary to me. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He's risen just as he said. Come and see where the place he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples. He's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I've told you. So the angels just said, hey, ladies, like, Jesus is not here. Go to Galilee. You'll see him there. Jesus has other plans. 
Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, Jesus says, the resurrected Lord. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. You know, this morning, as you're considering who Jesus is, he's not the kind of person that when you hear about, you just want to walk by because you've earned your way into heaven or something. No, no, listen. He's the kind of person who holds the world together by the word of his power. He's the one who loves so well that he would not let anything keep you from knowing his affections. He's one who comes to you this morning and says, whatever wounds you have, whatever celebrations you have, I care, and I love you, and I offer grace to you this morning. The entire point of Jesus' mission was to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God so that we would believe this message right here. And if this is the only thing you take away, take this with you. God loves the world, and he loves you, and even this morning is pursuing you. See, the resurrection reveals to us, just think about these three things. The resurrection reveals to us who Jesus is. He's the Son of God, and no one's power compares to His. He defeated death. He conquered all His enemies and ours. So the resurrection reveals who Jesus is. The resurrection reveals who Jesus loves. He loves the rich. He loves the poor. He loves the strong. He loves the weak. He loves people on the other side of the planet in the 21st century who couldn't be more disconnected from His original culture like us. That's who we are. This took place on the other side of the planet, in a completely different culture, in a completely different experience as a human. Jesus sends this message to us this morning and says, I am inviting you into experiencing my resurrection by grace and through faith. He loves Mary Magdalene. He loves his mother. He even loves the priests and the Pharisees. He even loves Pilate. They're invited into this story to consider it for themselves, to give them this hope of what he's doing bringing resurrection to the world. That's what Easter is about. It is about God making all things new, including you, for you to put your trust in Him based on what He's done at the cross and what He's done with the empty tomb and to invite you into knowing His grace personally. And that's really my invitation for you this morning. Jesus at the end of chapter 28 in the Gospel of Matthew leaves us with these words, and these are your words today if your trust is in Jesus. Surely I will be with you to the end of the age. Put your hope in the one that has risen from the dead. The one who meets you this morning and says there is grace sufficient for you to enable you to have a relationship with, with me. To know my mercies. I'm going to close with this quote. It's the last of the quotes that are there for you in your bulletin. Listen to this. We think about Scripture because we wish to become Scripture-shaped and therefore Christ-shaped. In response to Scripture's compelling power, we wish to become living commentaries on Scripture. We wish to exhibit the reality of the risen Christ in our own lives. That's really what God's calling us to this morning, to experience His grace and to express it. If you want to know who Jesus is, He reveals Himself, who He is, what He's done, and what he's going to do. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning we give you thanks because you are the King. You are the resurrected Lord. You are the one who invites us into a relationship to know a peace that surpasses all things. 
And this morning, as we take great comfort in what you defeated, that you defeated death, Lord, would you give us faith and eyes to see that your grace is for us, that we might take hold of this message that truly God loves us. We ask this in your name, our risen King, Jesus Christ. Amen.